days of difficulty, and you've seen people that just really pour themselves out on behalf of others. And it's an inspiration, no matter who they are. It's incredible to see that kind of thing happening. And it makes you wonder what's going on in their lives and what's going on in their lives to make them that generous to others. I'm of an age that I regularly now experience the loss of people that are notable figures to me, heroes and saints to me. Some are famous people known by everybody, and some are known just, you know, to me and my little circles and their circles of love and of acquaintance. One week ago, Saturday, Glenn Jenks died. Now, I know you don't know that name. Father Glenn was the priest that came to be the associate rector of Grace Church Tucson when I was in my later uh, teen years. And his work touched me right away because between assisting priests, I was helping to keep together a youth ministry. And uh, he came with that as one of his key areas of ministry. And so we worked together. And he didn't sweep me aside with his masterful leadership. He incorporated what I was trying to do into his efforts and his initiatives, which were so much better founded. But he honored me with that shared ministry. When in college then, I went locally to school, to the University of Arizona, and he launched a college ministry. Now, I lived with two nice Episcopalian boys, college boys, and uh, we had this little house uh, near campus. And on Wednesday evenings, this college group would come to our living room, and uh, Father Glenn would come, and we'd have a bite to eat, and then we would make Eucharist together. Crowded in this living room with a little coffee table, which was the altar, and he would uh, hold forth with these incredible teachings which were warm, which were challenging, which challenged our assumptions, and uh, which encouraged us and comforted us in the way that they were shared. And we would take the bread and the wine together, week by week. So we really got close. And one of the things I noticed as an outcome of that time together was that people discovered ministry. In fact, there were about 20 regular people in that time together on Wednesdays. And I may have my counts wrong, but I and five others uh, all went to seminary and all went into ordained ministry. And I'll tell you in a moment about some of those who were not in ordained ministry, but were in impressive, lifelong ministries themselves. But um, David, my roommate, David Roseberry, and George Salides, they both went off. David was going to be a doctor, but he didn't do that. George was a his history major and wanted to teach. And he's done a lot of teaching, but... That's not what he did. He wound up priest in Alaska and California and, and uh, many other places. 
And he's now in North Carolina. Uh, there was John Hall. Now, they all have other titles and, and names at this point, but I remember John Hall, Susie Armour, Jed Holdorf, and then the three of us, David, David, and George. But these other ministries, Bruce Anderson went into um, church ministry, into music uh, ministry, and, and also Karen Anderson. And, and there was Chad who went off to South uh, America and opened an orphanage. And he raised his family there in the middle of all that and just made his life there, taking care of people who had no one to take care of of themselves. And there was uh, Bodie Clarkson and, and Leslie Buchanan. These friends, there, there's, there's others I'm forgetting, but these friends were in ministry. And you know, the laity are the chief ministry of the church. When we hear about it in catechism, in the back of our prayer book, they say, who are the ministers of the church? And they always mention the laity first. Laypersons, bishops, priests, and deacons. Those are the ministers of the church. And in this living room ministry of Father Glenn, uh, things happened inside of us. We, we didn't bring Father Glenn to us. He, he was a gift to us. We didn't bring him to our lives but we were so glad that he came. Now, I went from there to a year and a half of discernment in my own lay ministry in a little tiny mission church on the edge of the Mojave Desert. You know Kingman, Arizona. It's on Route 66. And there I was, and I was trying to figure out seminary or something else. But from there... Uh, I had met Jennifer, and we were married, and we went straight to seminary in Austin. While in seminary, uh, Jennifer, who had worked hard and had her uh, BSN, uh, was a nurse at Seton Hospital in Austin. And so I was one of those uh, fortunate seminarians that had income because of Jennifer, and food was on the table. And we could afford uh, a lot of our tuition that way. But we couldn't afford all of it because it was pretty expensive. So we got a little book allowance from that little church in Kingman, Arizona. And we got uh, some money from my parents who didn't have to give it. And most notably, uh, a huge portion of benefit to afford graduate school and my theological training was this trust that was set up to help people afford seminary. Decades and decades before, people we did not know had land for farming and ranching, and they employed workers, including immigrants, and uh, that we never knew them, but they worked and they raised that livestock and the work went on and on, and the wealth grew and grew. The family wealth was multiply invested, including in benevolent causes. And some bishop, probably Bishop John Hines, 
talked to this family, and I didn't know the farm hands or the ranch hands, and I, I didn't really know Bishop Hines, although I heard him preach a few times, shook his hand. But because of their efforts, I got to go to seminary. And I went to a seminary that he had, that John Hines had founded because he probably pestered a bunch of other families to give money so that something like that could get going. So people work, people give, and complete strangers that they've never met, that have never lifted a finger along those lines, they benefit. We all believe in the notion of the self-made woman and the self-made man. But when you think about it, everyone who has made it probably folded their own considerable efforts into the sacrifices and generosity of others. The parable that we heard today is pretty likely our least favorite one. I get that a lot, and I've felt that a lot. It's about God being in the business of giving from divine generosity what was never really earned, but was granted anyway. Because of that generous nature, because that is the nature of God, and it's called grace favor granted that was never earned. It comes through people, yes. God, God's giving comes through human beings like you, like Father Glenn, through people, through also creation. God's giving comes through nature, through discoveries, personal discoveries that you make of goodness and truth and beauty that feeds you with the grace of God. But God also gives you through the quite direct revelation of grace through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit breathes into your reality. And it's not because you earned it. It's because it's the nature of God. None of it is really, at its root, transactional. It's not conditional love. It's not strings-attached love. It's, it's not, I'll love you if... Dot, dot, dot. Or, I, I love you because of this and that. It's, I love you. I love you just because. Now, I remember Father Glenn, he had a style of pre preaching that annoyed some, but it, it, it always worked for me. He would walk about. Now, I can't walk about because I, I don't want to do that to our technician, but um, he would walk down the aisle and over and a little bit closer to people, and it's because he had the um, message he wanted to, to give internalized. And he was ready to give it. It came off not showy. Not showy. Uh, it came off warm, informal, 
authentic, heartfelt, and it was always so well-crafted that it got you. So he would probably say something like this, and I, I borrow this from one of the many sermons I still remember him giving. He said, you know, the parables of Jesus are interesting, and we can take them in many, many places. We can take them this direction or that. But a parable really is mainly when Jesus gives it about the hearer making a decision. It's left to the hearer to make a decision. And so in today's parable, maybe Father Glenn would say, uh, are you going to take seriously that, that what you receive from God, your in with God, is by grace and not by works? Will you take that seriously? It's kind of like how the world operates in just this way. You know how in the world it's who you know? Well, in this case, the who that you must know to be in with God is Jesus. Are you going to take seriously that you can know Jesus? And that is your in with God. That, that would be the sort of thing that Father Glenn might might do with us, but he'd do it a little bit better than that. I am sure of that. But he would be right here with this, that the love we receive is not transactional. It is unconditional. So we come to a place where uh, we look, approaching God, we look down at what we've received. And we might say, what? But but I, you know, you look at your clothes that are barely dirty and barely sweaty from your tiny little work shift. And you say, I, I thank you. That's what you would do. And I just feel these scriptures carrying us into a place where we see people who have been challenged to be generous with themselves because they have gotten it that God has been generous with them. Moses had to remind the people over and over again, you know, that the people of, of Israel kept finding themselves in a position of feeling God forsaken. They were in Egypt, but when they were slaves, they felt God forsaken. They were rescued by the liberator Moses, but then eventually they felt God forsaken because they were hungry. And then God fed them and gave them water, gave them quail dropping from the sky and bread that would appear in the morning. And then eventually they had to be reminded that God is the generous giver who will always come to meet them in their necessity. And God always will. And even when we are at our rope's end, our absolute rope's end, and we find there's no knot at the end, 
then God catches us up and takes us into life everlasting. And again, we find that through no merits of our own, God has taken hold of us. Now, St. Paul thought that he was on his way and he had earned it and he'd done it mainly by himself. Well, he had great credentials. He was from a great tribe and he'd had good training, but he worked hard at that. And now he had the favor and the notice of the authorities of the temple when they gave him uh, the right to go about and arresting followers of Jesus, followers of the way. So he was, by his own merits, making his way. And what he found himself doing is that in spite of those works, God took hold of him. And what did it get him? He became like Jesus was. Paul became a man for others. What did it get him? It got him the role of apostle to people that were latecomers, people that didn't deserve to be in, but were counted as in nonetheless. It got him bumps and bruises and concussions by stones thrown at him. It got him beatings with robs and throwing into prison, into the innermost section of the prison. It got chains around him and stocks on his feet. It got him on a ship into difficult territory where he was nearly killed in a shipwreck. But Paul discovered that he wanted to give. And we came to this part, which was our epistle uh, today, that we heard. And he said, I'm not, I am completely torn. I don't know which I want. I don't know whether I want to die, which I'm likely to do at any time, because that would be mean I was with the Lord. Or if I want to be spared and move into further giving. And he's completely torn, but he decides finally, because he's writing to the Philippians, well, maybe I do want to go on, because that might be better for you. I, I want to give more. And that's the nature of one who is taken by the generous one. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to receive that unconditional love and then be sent into the vineyard, whether we're latecomers or founders, but go into the vineyard and work and work, not in order to get something, but knowing that we've already received, we are saved for those works. Will you receive that love unconditional? and give thanks to the generous one.